On this edition of Riding the 3x3, Patrick Fetch and I break down all things 2020 NBA Finals, Lakers crown champion, where does this rank on LeBron's list of NBA championships, then we get into college football, middle of the season, where do the programs lie, where do the standings sit, and where is the Heisman race as we move into the depths of October. Close out the show with NFL Week 6. Three huge marquee games to chop up. Pat and I give our picks and our thoughts on those matchups, as well as our sucker bets of the week. You won't want to miss that one. This week's Ride in a 3x3 can be caught on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find this fine program. Subscribe, rate, review, throw us five stars. Continue supporting the Ride in the 3x3 movement. Let's get in to lane number one. Hopping into lane number one on this week's Friday edition, very special Friday edition of Ride in the 3x3. We're back from a little bit of a sabbatical, took a little break, got a little hiking in. Pat was uh, still grinding away like he always is, the hardworking man, uh, that is joining me across the line right now. Mr. Fetch, welcome uh, back to the show. It's been uh, too long since we've chatted on these airwaves. It's been far too long, man. You've been keeping me out here working, bleeding through the fingernails while you're just enjoying <laughs> life, all fancy, going the hills of Arizona. How was the trip, Russ? Much needed? How was it? It was a beautiful release, Pat. Just uh, It's nice to, to feel a little small every now and then. Get out in oh, the big yeah. wilderness, get the ego checked a little bit. It was all good stuff. But we're going to be checking the egos of some teams, some players throughout this episode, getting back on the grind. And then we will have a normal, uh, regular schedule next week, Tuesday, NFL recap. And then Thursday, kind of all sports whip around to go through. But a lot of football today as we get into the first lane, which isn't football, though. It's NBA basketball. The NBA season that has just concluded. The 2019-20 season it was long, 355 days worth of scheduling, worth of hoops to jump through, bubbles to build, Orlando campuses to get together, but they finally crowned a champion for the 17th time in their illustrious history. The Los Angeles Lakers lift the Larry O'Brien Trophy. They finished 52-19 and on the season. They took care of the Miami Heat in six games with a 106-93 victory in game six. It was really never in doubt. They were up by like 30 in the second quarter. LeBron James, once again, 28 points, had a, just a sensational, sensational playoff run, was named finals MVP. And over his final 10 games in the playoffs, just an absolute monster. 28 points per game, 9.4 assists, 9.1 rebounds, shot 37% from three and 53% from the field. Pat, it was written. It came to be. And LeBron James is the champion for the fourth time. Dad of the year as well. You forgot that one. Immediately got home, grounded right. Bronny grounded from Bronny. his from his phase <laughs> clan matchup. So he's doing it all. He's multi versatile out here. LeBron is is the goat as ever. But yeah, I mean it it was it was a writing on the wall. We all saw it coming. It was refreshing to see the Lakers back there, but at the same time, it was just more of the same. LeBron James dominating the NBA. It's still not over. He's still not done. It seemed like he gained steam throughout those finals. It, it, like it, he did. Jimmy Butler, he, he clearly cratered from the 47 minutes he played in game five. LeBron James just never even didn't seem like he broke a sweat. He was so dominant in the finals. You're right. It was refreshing to see him be able to, uh, you know, bring the clock back a little bit to turn the clock back. But I mean, 
how impressed are you, Russ, truthfully? And, and where I, where are you going to rank this in his in his repertoire and his pedigree of championships? Well, thank you for asking me, Pat. I honestly, I'm going to go out on a little bit out of left field here, but I think this is the second most impressive title behind the Cleveland mm-hmm. titles because of the roster he has. Yes, he has Anthony Davis, but besides that, I, like, did anyone think Rajon Rondo was going to come out and be a key third star for this Lakers team at his age and his point in his career? No, nobody really thought that. Nobody thought he would be that important when they got him back from injury midway through the bubble. So just the the leadership he had to show with the the passing of Kobe Bryant, the way that affected the franchise, the, the preseason expectations, the the you shipped out your whole team to get this guy and you got to perform because of it. All those things to me kind of place this right behind the the championship he took home in Cleveland. Obviously, the odds were mega stacked against him there. Three one three one finals deficit overcomes that only team ever to do it, only superstar ever to pull that off. And then also it's just the bubble. They had to stay in isolation for three months, Pat. Like he he only saw, I believe only his wife came down, and many players didn't even have their wives or their full families come down just because it wasn't logistically sufficient for that to happen. So it's, it's a unique scenario we will never see again. And it's one that truly tested the leadership skills and the veteran savvy of LeBron James. And along with him and Anthony Davis, they proved that they were the, uh, the bubble breakers and the ones that can outlast the, the anxiety, everything that comes with uh, being in one spot in isolation for three, three to four months. The the fact to achieve this within the bubble, no matter what team came out on top, is very impressive. And you're right that the mental toughness to be able, the emotional toughness to be able to go that long without your family, without your significant other, um, you know, without your mother, father, whoever it may be that's important in your life, that's an accomplishment for whoever it was. And I'm sure the relief of being able to leave that bubble might have been even sweeter than the championship that they're leaving it with. But it's so hard. I mean, it's an impossible question of where it ranks. And I mean, as far as a basketball player. It's got to be last, right? I mean, he just he faced so much more turmoil. I feel in the other seasons, mm-hmm. it was the gods finally threw him a bone, Pat. They, they finally did. threw him a bone on this one. They did. You can say that, it, but it does speak again to just the nature in the mental fortitude that LeBron James has has shown ever since he's entered the league, ever since he's been hyped as as the chosen one, as the next great one, and he's always he's always answered the bell. And this is just again LeBron just putting everybody in their place, showing that he is the GOAT. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't rooting for it, but the inevitable the inevitable came and the inevitable happened. Crazy thing is, Pat, this is probably the worst Laker team LeBron and Anthony Davis will be a part of over the next three to four years. Would you agree? I think that's probably safe to say. Because they're going to be able to add someone this offseason, whether it's, I don't know, maybe a Danilo Gallinari, who's already made a lot of money in his career, has not played on a lot of good teams, is getting to that twilight portion of his saga, and he's a, he is a clear fit on this team. I mean, you slot him into the Markeith Morris minutes, whew, good night. I mean, we're already hearing, already hearing about the Chris Paul talk. I mean, Chris Paul, the, the step forward he made again this year, he can came they, back. Can they take on that contract though? That's the thing. Him, LeBron, and AD. It's, that's like your entire cal- salary cap. <laughs> whatever. It's the NBA. They'll figure it out. Salary cap is is only only so real. They'll pay. I that. like I like Chris Paul going to Milwaukee. That's where I hope he goes. But that would be cool. That would be cool. I would love to see. Yeah, that's for another time. 
we we will definitely be doing an NBA uh, NBA offseason podcast whenever we get dates on the start of the NBA free agency period. We don't know when yeah. that's going to happen, Pat. They're going to be negotiating over these next couple of weeks to close out October and hopefully have a CBA finalized and hopefully, fingers crossed, get some dates on when the 2020-2021, or I guess it would just be the 2020 season. I don't know about that. We're going to get some dates yeah. here soon. And they'll figure it out here in the next couple of weeks. Closing out the NBA bubble, give me your favorite moment or two, maybe like a fun, whatever you got. If you got a fun moment, you can make it a fun moment. If you got a basketball moment, you can make it a basketball. If you want to give both, lay it on me, Pat. Yeah, I mean, this wasn't a possible question. I wanted to go with like a gambling win, or I wanted to go with something <laughs> that made me feel right, or I wanted to just go with something spectacular. I don't know if I could have found one moment. So I'm going to kind of steal steal the question and make it an overall, just everything Jamal Murray did, everything Nikolai Jokic did in the Nuggets just made me feel good. That whole team just made me happy. Watching them was so fun. The impossible shot after impossible shot the two of them were making were literally creating hot spots on an NBA shot chart that had never been found, never been seen before. <laughs> and it was so fun, whether it be the off-legged, one-handed fadeaway from Jokic or the spinning or the up-and-under by Jamal Murray, the step-backs, the mid-ranges, just every everything about the way those two played, the way they elevated their game, uh, the energy and the excitement they brought to the bubble. I think those two made the bubble as exciting as it was, maybe as much as any other duo that had a chance to play. I fell in love with the Nuggets this bubble, this postseason. I can't wait to see them next season. I cannot wait to see where that team goes. I hope they're able to add another piece. I think they're one of the more intriguing teams in all of NBA. I had so, so, so much fun watching the Denver Nuggets. And so I'm hijacking that question just to bring them up again one last time. Shout out Jamal Murray. Shout out Nikola Jokic. Just so, so wonderful. What a performance. Nugs, baby. Future very bright in the Mile High City, and we shall see whether or not Michael Porter Jr., can he take that next step and not really force the Nuggets to have to go get that third piece? He could end up becoming that guy in his own right. I got two for you, Pat. First, I'll go uh, I'll go serious basketball. The Bam Adebayo block. That was the play of the bubble for me. That's the one that's singed in my brain for years to come. It's rare. Honestly, never happens the point where you have a superstar in Jason Tatum rolling down the lane, trying to end the game. And honestly, it could have ended the series had the Celtics uh, won that contest against the Heat. But he goes through to the basket and out of nowhere, Bam Adebayo slides down, rises up, blocks him in a fashion that it made it seem like his entire left shoulder popped out of its socket and saves the game for the Miami Heat, a, a contest where they had to have it, had to get it done. And that play, to me, kind of just encapsulated the entire Heat bubble experience of Bam Adebayo just snatching the soul of the other team away en route to victory. Fun one, it's got to be Lemon Pepper Lou. Lemon <laughs> Pepper Lou, baby. That was the funniest, a little frustrating, but the funniest story of the bubble. Goes to the strip club after leaving the bubble for, I believe it was his grandfather's funeral, had to get those wings, though, in Magic City down there in Atlanta, the, the very famous uh, dancing institution in, the, uh, in, in Hotlanta. Didn't serve him too well, though, Pat. I don't know if uh, Lou Williams would have done the lemon pepper trip in hindsight because in the bubble, he never logged more than 25 minutes 
And in his final nine contests in the playoffs, Lou Will averaged nine points and shot under 35% from the field. Karma is king, Pat. Karma is king. The NBA bubble, so much fun. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we never have to experience anything like that again. They can get fans in the stands next season, and we can get back to somewhat of a In normal. all honesty, Russ, yeah. go ahead. What, what is Lou Williams' impact on the rise and sales of lemon pepper wings? Because I'll tell you <laughs> what, I've ordered lemon pepper wings like seven times since that story is. I think it's now offered Had you out heard of them stuff. before that? I think. I mean, I had heard of them, but what would, there was no hype around them. There, I, there was nobody telling me that you know I need to have the lemon pepper wings. How many wing places have you seen open a new lemon pepper, like have a new flavor option? I know B Dubs did it. I think Wingstop did it. It's Lou Will well, has changed. I had the lemon pepper. Pack. I'll tell you that right now. Okay. I've been getting <laughs> Wingstop wing lemon pepper for like two, three years. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I'm gonna be, and I'm. I'm going to be truthful. I have not been to a wing place, not you said that, that doesn't have lemon pepper since the bubble. Interesting. Came. Okay. Okay. It's the power of the bubble, baby. It's the power of the bubble. Lou will. Lemon pepper, Lou will, baby. We'll see what they do. <laughs> Ty Lou. It's kind of funny how Ty Lou, Lou Williams, it's all connected. It's all connected. New coach of the, of the Los Angeles Clippers. We'll get into much more NBA offseason chatter probably in the month, month and a half when things start to die down and all we really have is NFL football and college football. Speaking of college football, Week seven in college football going into a crucial, crucial weekend. Maybe the matchup of the year, Pat, in the SEC. Georgia, number three in the country, taking on Alabama, number two in the country. A Crimson Tide team that might not have the uh, services of one coach Nick Saban on their sidelines because of a positive COVID test from earlier in the week. We do not yet know if he will be coaching tomorrow. I would err on the side of he's not going to be there so you got to think, like, if a quarterback counts for four to five points against the spread, I'd, like, I'd probably say that's what Mac Jones counts for, three to four, four to five. Saban's got to be worth six to seven, at least, something like a touchdown. Just his ability to in-game adapt with his coaching acumen and all that stuff. We know the adjustment he's made against Georgia before, bringing in Tua Tagovailoa in that uh, college football playoff game a few years back to uh, supplant Jalen Hurts and and really activate that offense in the second half and route to a comeback victory. That's a massive game this weekend, Pat. And like I just mentioned, two of the top teams in the country, the rankings right now holding pretty firm with Clemson at one, Alabama two, Georgia three, and then the always fraudulent, never be able to play with the big boys. Who knows why they're always ranked so high, Notre Dame. Do you think there's any surprise candidates that can come out and, and reclaim something in the top four. We all assume Ohio State's going to end up being there, so they probably end up knocking out Notre Dame. But this 2-3 matchup, Pat, probably going to go a long way in who ends up making up that top four to five teams. Very interesting take you had on Saban there. And I'll tell you what, that's something that's going through my mind all week is how I'm going to play the possible Saban absence in that mm -hmm. game. And that's very interesting that you said it's almost a whole touchdown. You think I, Nick Saban? I don't know. What do you think, Pat? Do you think it's? I think it's almost a touchdown. Almost a touchdown. I will disagree on that. I'll say maybe if maybe three points. Maybe if it's a pick'em, you take that to like the two and a half. Instead, I think that how Alabama. How many coaches are actually worth even two points against the spread? I, yeah, that, that correct. That's a lot in its own, and so I'm with you there. But a whole touchdown, I think. The Alabama assistant coaches, I think the players, I think everybody's a little bit more prepared than that, than whatever in-game adjustments Saban might have. And uh, let's be honest, I mean, 
the the Alabama defense has not looked great. And so you might be right on something. Not having that intensity, not having Saban on the sideline could be hurtful because uh, people have been having their way with the Alabama defense. So that could be could be a point of worry. I could definitely see that. Georgia a little bit more conservative, though, not as high-flying or honestly has the offensive minds that make up the Lane Kiffin system over at Ole Miss, which is what just put 48 points on the board against Alabama. So it's it's going to be a very tight game. I would imagine, I would be kind of shocked, honestly, if either team goes over 35 points. Alabama four-and-a-half-point favorite right now. That's the massive matchup this weekend, CBS, 8 p.m. Pat, does it like, – like when I'm looking at these rankings, it's just it's hard for me to believe that when we when we go into the last weekend of December and we're getting ready for the college football playoff, that it's not going to be Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. And then maybe you have a, a Pac-12 undefeated team champ vying for that final spot. if Georgia gets knocked out in the SEC title game in a rematch with Bama. But it's just, it's once again feeling like another chalky, chalk, chalk year for a college football playoff system that now, honestly, might be hurting the sport because the best teams continuously get the best players and the same best teams get into the playoff every year. I really don't know the solution to it either. It's very hard. I mean, in the same way before, you know, for 10 years, for decades at a time, it is certain programs that dominate those decades. So I guess it is uh foreseeable but yeah it is so hard right now to judge college football too especially in that long-term view without the big 10 having even started yet who knows what kind of football we get from the big 10 that'll be a welcome sight to see that come back but how does right ohio now, state have 1152 points it's in the weird AP rankings with no 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 snaps played pat how does that work <laughs> I'm, yeah I'm how struggling do you to understand that right i don't know how you feel if you're any of those teams have actually you know gone on the field and won some games and you still got ohio state above you but that being said i mean it's not like oklahoma state has really looked all that impressive i would say the same with north carolina i would say same for a lot of these teams i mean florida's looked much more impressive than much of the teams before them and with their one loss they're down at down at 10 five spots behind ohio state it is it is wild i don't know how the big 10 is being factored into here i don't know how the rankings being factored at all and to defend the college football judges you know playoff committee to defend them just a tad, I mean, how is it not going to be Chuck? How do you judge these teams without a mm-hmm. full season? In reality, you're going to get the most talented teams, the biggest, the highest profile programs at the end of this. The, the last thing you want to do is put in a team that does not belong with the other three, and then they just get absolutely housed. You got Dan in Oklahoma turning off the TV at halftime. You don't want any of that. Right. You right. don't want any of that if you're the powers that be in college football. Maybe North Carolina? At the end of the year? No, no, I'm not. I'm not even going to try to do I'm it. Not I'm not even going to try to do it. I'm but, not on that at all. But, Pat, last no. year they were one play away, one two-point conversion away from knocking off Clemson. They don't play him at all this year on the schedule. That could be a I, – I, I am holding out hope, fingers crossed, that that is our ACC title game because I don't see any other team in that conference giving Clemson any type of battle. But Mac Brown, that coaching staff, they showed that they can slow down Clemson last week who uh, has Trevor Lawrence vying for history, Pat. Trevor Lawrence, who this moves us right into our Heisman talk right here, going for a 
unbelievable record. Trevor Lawrence, get this, Pat, has not thrown an interception since the first half of Clemson's victory over Louisville on October 19th last year. Since then, Lawrence has completed 70% of his passes, almost 4,000 yards, and 43 tutties. 355 throws without an interception, Pat. If he throws 25 more attempts without a pick, he will break Russell Wilson's ACC record for most consecutive passes without an interception. Heisman watch right now. It's got to be Trevor Lawrence, number one in my my polls. And honestly, you could make an argument as running backs, number two. Yeah, I I could make an argument that, but I kind of love what's going on over at Florida. And I kind of want to give a couple shout outs to a couple skill players over at Florida. And if there was ever going to be a year that something weird was going to happen in the Heisman talk, Russ, why not this year? Why not this year? When's the last time? I want to say it was probably um, Charles Woodson. Or who was the last non-quarterback running back to win the Heisman? It has been a while. But Kadarius Tooney and Kyle Pitts, both at Florida, have been so electric that I think they'll have a chance. They've been scoring like crazy. They've been used great. They're making breakout plays. All it takes for them is a few solid games in this SEC slate to really, to really put their names out there, to really go crazy. I'm not crazy about the ACC. I'm not crazy about Clemson and the garbage competition that they have to play in their walk to the national championship. We've seen it year after year now. Dabo Sweeney is going to you know, be the clown that he is. I'm not interested in any of that talk this year because I really, really, really want to see some of these other skill, skill playmakers really, really take the Heisman and take this whole conversation for themselves because they've been electric this year. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of Clemson getting away with with a garbage conference that they get to play. And, yeah, they're going to run through North Carolina this year, and they're going to get a walk to the college football championship. Trevor Lawrence will be great. I'm not convinced, definitely not yet, that the Heisman is his completely wrapped up. Obviously not wrapped up. Anybody who says it's – any Heisman's wrapped up in October. Well, just it just yearly the Heisman gets gets uh, gets thrown around and 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 knocked to a certain candidate closer to the end of the season. But whew, like Clemson, Notre Dame's the one good team they play the rest of the year. You could make an argument Virginia Tech is going to be competitive, but they're ranked twenty third right now. I don't have any any idea if they're going to be even close to that at the end of the year. Notre Dame's that one big test in the towards the back half of the season, and they're going to be able to roll. If they roll through Notre Dame, Pat, it's going to be very difficult for anyone to supplant Trevor Lawrence in the Heisman race because he's going to have the numbers, he's going to have the marquee victories, and he's going to have the kind of narrative where he's been the best player in college football as a whole over the past three years. And obviously last year, Joe Burrow set records that will maybe never be broken in the SEC. So you couldn't give it to Trevor Lawrence, even though Lawrence honestly had a little bit of a down year to start the season. But the narrative is kind of kind of the same sense of Russell Wilson in that these are two guys that have been at the top of their powers and they finally need to be rewarded for it. Yeah, it's been more of a legacy win for Lawrence. And I could definitely understand that the voters are going to give him his due, especially if he's in the conversation. But hey, I'm rooting for something different. He's already going to be the number one pick. He's got his payday coming. Give someone else a shine. Paydays, Pat. Trevor Lawrence can't wait for his. Le'Veon Bell got his payday. And he got shipped out 19 months later. Cut by the New York Jets. They could not find a trade partner with him. As we cruise into lane number three, closing out the show with some NFL chatter. Le'Veon Bell 
with the, the triple Bs, the, the high-flying aerial attacks, splitting him out in Pittsburgh, getting him rolling with Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger. Those were a lot of fun to watch those offenses cruise. Not really any fun to watch Le'Veon Bell in a Jets uniform. I believe he averaged less than 3.5 yards per carry in his tenure. And now he gets rewarded by signing with the Kansas City Chiefs, who uh, have uh, agreed to a one-year deal with the free agent running back. I don't know what to think about this, Pat, because like when you when you leave the Jets, you're so stinky. You're just you get you're filled with stink. The Jets' filth, and they have to really clean that off of him to see if he still has anything left in the tank. I hope he does. As a Steelers fan, I watched Le'Veon Bell, and I ood and odd at what he did in a Steelers uniform. Mm-hmm. He was probably, I mean, for me, he was more exciting than watching AB. He's probably the most exciting Steeler I've gotten to watch in my entire lifetime, uh, bar a couple. But I hope there's something still there. He does look like he lost a step. I mean, a year off will, will hurt anybody, especially when you have to come back and try to get the flow of things in that Jets offense. That's going to be a tough task no matter who you are. So I think he has a chance, obviously, of being a part of that Chiefs offense, being a part of everything that they do is going to help him out tremendously, tremendously. And especially as a receiver, it's the one thing people have been clamoring about. Adam Gase, Adam Gase, if you're not going to run the ball, if you don't want Le'Veon Bell in the running game, if he doesn't fit the way that you see your O-line you know, uh, executing blocks, well, at least spread him out. At least give him the opportunity to run routes. He is one of the better route runners, wide receivers, and all of football, regardless of position. And so Adam Gase has his head in a bottle, and no one knows what's going on in New York. But I can't wait, can't wait to see what Le'Veon Bell has to do in a Chiefs uniform. And it's going to be scary and dangerous. If the Chiefs weren't already the Super Bowl favorites, um, I mean, you're going to have to score 55 points to beat him, Russ. A lot of talent. Bevy of talent. Chock full stable of horses in that running back room now with the one-two punch at Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Like, what? Are you serious, Kansas City? The rich get richer. And I was right, Pat. 3.3 yards per carry for Le'Veon Bell in his time with the Jets. That was 51st out of 53 qualifying running backs during that span. Not not great. So not it, great. It, it's stinky. We'll see if Randy Reed can knock the rust off of him, get him rolling again, but... Hindsight is fully 2020, man. 2018, sat out the entire season at 25, 26 years old, was uh, offered a $70 million contract, Pat. Five years, $70 million, but did not like the true guarantee of $17 million. Well, that's basically what he ended up making in his time with the New York Jets, and he also gave up a year of football on the uh, on the outside of that. So just a little message for the kids out there. Grass ain't always greener on the other side. And when you get greedy, you can get uh, get bit because of it. Because honestly, Pat, he should still be a stealer. He didn't really he didn't leave because he was an idiot or because he made a bunch of dumb mistakes like Antonio Brown did. He left solely because of money. And I'm going to defend a... it. I'm going to defend him. Look what the Steelers did. They went and replaced him, and they've done just fine with it. They have another guy on a rookie no, contract yeah, in James Conner. And then, you know, when James Conner's contract's up, you know what they're going to do? They're going to let whoever wants to pay James Conner pay James yeah. Conner, and they're going to draft another running back. So but what I'm saying is the Steelers, they offered that money. Like, Bell they did. Just yeah. take it. He should have just sure. taken it, run with it, and he would maybe be retiring a Steeler. Not necessarily retiring a Steeler, but he would not have had to go through this garbage 
garbage crap he had to go through with the New York Jets over the past 19 months. Three huge games this week, Pat. Three massive games. Let's pick them. Let's talk about them before we give our sucker bets of the week. And honestly, honestly, this this first game is going to play right into my sucker bet of the week. Green Bay versus Tampa Bay down in the South Florida heat. It's going to be a matchup between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. The first time these two have matched, or excuse me, the third time these two have matched up in their careers. Crazy. They've been in the league a combined, what, almost 40 years, and they've only played three times. But Green Bay, one-and-a-half-point favorite. It's an 85 out of 100 matchup rating, according to ESPN. So this is a juicy one, Pat. Buccaneers trying to get back on track after Tom forgot the fourth down on Thursday night at 10 days ago, and the Packers also coming off a bye at 4-0. The Packers look good. And Russ, as football fans, we have been robbed of not getting to see this Brady-Rodgers matchup. Uh, It's just been absolutely criminal. We haven't gotten to see them in a Super Bowl. We haven't got to see them even match up in the regular season enough. So it'll be fun just to see these two on the field at the same time. Um, What do you think? Are you going to give a prediction? I'm rolling with the Bucs, Pat. I'm doing it. This is going to be my sucker bet. I was wavering between the Bucks pick at plus one and a half. I didn't. And the Cardinals. What did you pick this one too? No, the, no, uh, no. The Cardinals at uh, at also at also minus one and a half because right now seventy two percent of the money on the Cardinals to beat the Cowboys by more than one and a half. That one's a little stinky, especially with Chandler Jones now out. That defense is not going to be able to stop anybody. But this is my sucker bet pick here. 95% of the handle in this game is on the Packers, according to the DraftKings. 90% of the bets are on the Packers at minus one. I understand it. They're 4-0, coming off a bye. I get all that. I do. But they have one of the least efficient defenses in all the NFL, and this game is in Tampa, not in the frozen tundra. This Packers team has not played in any kind of heat and humidity like this since what since they first started training camp back in August, the Buccaneers are going to be the well-conditioned, more conditioned team. And it's going to be, I think a similar scenario game script to what we saw two weeks ago with Justin Herbert and the chargers wilting in the final two quarters against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I bet the Packers get a nice, comfortable, maybe double digit lead um, in the first half before the Buccaneers get things rolling and, Hopefully, and for my for my uh, for my coffers, get the job done and pull the upset. Biggest thing here is uh, going against me, Vita Vea, uh, three hundred forty seven pound defensive tackle. He's been the lifeblood, the spine of their top ranked rushing defense so far over the past two years, and it's going to be a big question as to how they replace him. But I, I'm not worried about the rushing rushing attack for the Packers. I'm worried about the passing attack which is uh, not something that Vita Vea is having a massive impact on. But give me the give me the Buccaneers here. With with everybody betting against old Tommy, I'll, I'll stick on Brady's side. Very bold pick from you, sir. And what I will say, for me, this might sound like a bit of a meatball take, but what's been so impressive for me watching the Packers play is the, the way that they've controlled the pace in the games. I mean, I, th- I think back to that Saints game uh, specifically, I mean, they were down a lot of that game. Aaron Rodgers was just smiling and laughing. And the whole time, it really felt like the Saints had to play at the Packers' pace. 
that even when they were down, the Packers still had complete control of the clock, complete control of the pace of the game. Everything was on their schedule. Well, right now, Rodgers and Packers are going against the, the king of that, and that's Tom Brady, who controls games better than any quarterback ever has in the history of the NFL, who even when he's down always sees a path to victory, always sees how that chessboard aligns for him. I think it's going to be incredibly interesting which team is able to come out and, and, uh, and dominate and control that pace early. Because I think what you just said about the Bucks defense could be a huge key. If that Bucks defense can get on the field first, get a quick three and out, get a quick mm-hmm. stop, be aggressive in the blitz and be tough in that uh, run defense, it's going to put the pressure immediately on Rodgers to really open up that offense. And without the receiving help and without the way that that offense likes to operate, that could be very interesting. And so you made me think about it a little bit, Russ, and you might have talked me into into riding with the Bucks a little bit, even though I'm skeptical, even though I'm skeptical. because the do official think- pick? I do. I am going with the Packers because I do think the Packers have a really, really good team. And I think ultimately Rodgers is probably playing better football than anybody else in the NFL right now. I mean, he's, it's him and Russ. They're, they're going to go. It's going to be a, a ride to the finish line who wins the MVP, I think. But, man, it's, it's going to be tough for me to pick against Rodgers in any game all season. And so I'm going with the Packers. Kenny Clark coming back for the Packers defense. That's going to be a big help for their run, run, uh, run stopping, which has allowed almost five yards per carry this season. Not very good. But that offense that Pat just mentioned, man, whoo boy, four consecutive games scoring at least 30 with no turnovers. It's tied for the second longest streak in NFL history with the 2010 Patriots seven straight occurrences to, uh, to that season for the Pats. So a really fun matchup there. I'm going out on a limb. That's my sucker bet. Everybody on the pack, everybody on the pack. Give me the, give me the bucks at home as a slight home dog. Another team that is experiencing some good, uh, good fortune for the first time since the early nineties, the four and one Cleveland Browns travel to Yenzerville to take on the four and zero Pittsburgh Steelers, Pittsburgh, a three point favorite, 51 is the over-under. Chase Claypool, Pat, I know you're excited about this guy. We're going to be, we're going to get another chance this weekend to see him featured with Deontay Johnson out once again. I know I'm excited to start him in fantasy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And I do believe one of us picked uh, the Cleveland Brownies to break a certain playoff drought. I think you one did. of us did. Oh, that oh, was yeah. me. That was me. Oh, cool. I couldn't I was do it. Assuming. I couldn't bring my stink, my stink meter away cool, from it. Cool. But you did it, Pat. I, I did say, I did say uh, just the other week too that there would be a very, very important game uh, against the Cowboys. That if they won, that would put them in great position. Oh, they did win that. I was right. I've been so right about the Browns. I've been so, so right about the Browns this year. I want the credit. Um, I also am going to be right about this game. The Steelers are going to dominate and, and beat Baker Mayfield because that's just what they do. They get after the quarterback, and Baker Mayfield just does not handle that pressure well enough. I know what everyone's key to this game is. Can the Steelers' defense hold the Browns' run offense? It's it's great matchup. you got the best rushing offense team. we got a very, very good O-line, young, aggressive, athletic. You got incredible backs. Even with Chubb, Chubb I do not think is going to play. You could correct me on that. He's out, yeah, he's out. So even with Hunt, even with that backup Harrison who played really, really well, the matchup in this whole game is the Browns wide receivers and Baker Mayfield versus the Steelers secondary. 
that's what this game is all about because the Browns can try all they want, all they want to try to control the clock, control the game, dominate the ground. But ultimately, it's going to come down to playmakers. Who's going to make plays on one-on-one balls? Do you want to know this best uh, receiver the Steelers have played in each of their first four games, Russ? Darius Slayton, Darius Slayton, Cortland Sutton, Randall Cobb, and I don't even know his name. Travis Fulgham? Is that his name? Travis, Travis? Globe trotting brand new tight end that the, the, the Eagles just love using new tight ends when they have already established tight ends. That's an Eagles thing. They like point, point being, the Steelers have not, not faced a good receiving core yet. On top of that, the Steelers' secondary has not looked fantastic. So that being said, we have a very, very interesting matchup, and the Steelers very well get exposed in this game. If they let Odell and Jarvis get separation, but then the key is it's TJ Watt and Bud Dupree. They've been getting after quarterbacks here like no other. Bud Dupree has played better than he ever has. When they drafted him in the first round, this is exactly what they thought they were getting from him. Bud Dupree has been awesome. I really, really think the Steelers are going to be bringing the blitz all game. They're going to be leaving their guys on an island back there, and they're going to trust either Minka Fitzpatrick or those two outside linebackers and Watt Dupree to make plays. I can't, I can't, I can't take the Steel. I can't take the Browns in Pittsburgh. The Steelers are not losing to the Browns at home. It doesn't happen. It won't happen. But Russ, it'll be very interesting. Sixteen straight, Pat. It's going to be seventeen straight in Pittsburgh. Sixty-four yards. That's the key number for this game, and that's the amount of yards rushing the Pittsburgh Steelers' defensive front is allowing this season. They gave up a 75-yard touchdown run to Miles Sanders last week and still held the Eagles to less than 100 yards rushing. They are the number one team in uh, pro football focuses adjusted line yards metric, which kind of takes away um, the – it just it, it individualizes each run for each individual running back to kind of uh, highlight the efficiency of the defensive line. The Steelers lead that category by the same, uh, by the same percentage as the second team leads all other teams dating back to 17th. So the Steelers right now have an advantage on the second best ranked team in pro football focuses, adjusted line yards that the second place team their gap is between them and 17. It's that wide of a margin by how good this Steelers defensive front is. They're going to give Baker Mayfield problems all day. He's banged up, got some rib issues. He, I don't think he'll be as mobile as, as, as usual. This is going to be, I think, a come, a come to uh, come to Jesus moment for the Cleveland Browns. Give me the Steelers in this one. Closing out our three main premier games, Bills, Chiefs, Monday night, Edition. A little bit of a Monday night doubleheader going on. 5 p.m. Eastern on Fox. 4-1 Chiefs travel to the 4-1 Bills. Kansas City a five-point favorite after the Bills coming off a short week. Played on Tuesday night football. Got housed 42-16 to the Tennessee Titans. And Pat, honestly, I was confused as to why the Titans weren't, or excuse me, were, yeah, why the Titans were underdogs at home to the Bills because during the entire coronavirus fiasco that the Titans went through and the Bills, for that matter, went through over those 10 days, the Titans always knew that they were going to be playing the Bills. But the Bills didn't know whether or not that Titans game was going to actually happen. So the whole time they were kind of preparing for the for the Titans while also having to prepare for the Chiefs as well because this game was originally supposed to be played on Thursday night. All uh, a lot of coronavirus topics, a lot of coronavirus storylines. 
Josh Allen, the gunslinger versus Pat Mahomes, the gunslinger. And we get to truly see whether or not this Bills team is for real or if they're just like the last Bills team that started 4-0 and proceeded to go 6-10 and back in 2005. You make a great point about the preparation that the Bills went through and something I certainly did not consider before I put a wager on that game. I wish I considered game. it before the game, Pat, because I would have let the fellas know my thing. Yeah, but uh, I didn't, so. this fellow would have appreciated you letting him know about that. <laughs> That being said, that this is gonna be a tough matchup for the Bills. It's tough. Everything you just laid out, everything they just went through the last week, everything they've been through the last couple weeks. Uh, Josh Allen, people are getting to him a little bit. He's getting a little nonchalant back there. He's made a few bad throws the last couple weeks. So, um, Chiefs coming off a loss too. This is and this with is a extra time to prepare for Andy Reid. Oh boy. Yeah, this is this is not an ideal situation if you're a Buffalo Bills fan. And um I think this one could get ugly just like last week for the Bills. What do you think? 35-20 victory for the Chiefs. Sounds Probably about right. Be very comfortable. The the offense gets a little bit back on track a little bit more. They don't need to give the ball to Clyde Edwards-Helaire as much as they are, Pat. There's no need to do that. They could cut back on the running. I'd say 10 to 15%, let old Pat Mahomes, your MVP, the best player in football, uh, have control of that rock a little bit more. That's what I think they'll do this weekend. And then the Chiefs, or not the Chiefs, the Titans kind of laid out the game plan against Josh Allen. And for that matter, kind of what you do again, Pat Mahomes, where you sit in a base cover three, you make sure he has no ability to burn you over the top. You make him matriculate down the field and beat you in the red zone, which Josh Allen and that offense was not able to do. Uh, on Tuesday night. So I think it's going to be a similar type of issue for the Bills offense. Kansas City in Monday games under Andy Reid, 7-1-1 one one against the number, Pat. And they are 4-0-1 oh against the spread on Monday night with Mahomes at quarterback. Wipe yep. your hands of that one. Sucker bet, what do you got for me? Sucker bet? Oh, God, I love this. Um, I'm a big fan of themes, Russ. I'm not sure if you've noticed. I'm a big fan of themes. I like to keep constant themes throughout the podcast and uh i've been on one take about an old hillbilly who plays in indianapolis his name is philip rivers and he stinks at football let me tell you people are looking at the colts this week they got the Bengals. they got your cincinnati Bengals. they got them at home and uh it's a get right game in a lot of ways for him right the offense hasn't looked good in the last couple weeks uh did not look good against the browns last week did not look good at all Russ, I don't think they're going to look good again this week. The the Bengals defense has not been awful. They played really they played really 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 well against Lamar last week. If you ignore the score, they really held him in check. Did very well. They played the Eagles offense better than maybe the Steelers defense even did. Outside of really that Browns game which got away a little bit, I think the Bengals defense has been very very impressive. And Darius Leonard, again, will be out for the Colts. Seven and a half points, the Colts. This is not a get-right game. This is a sucker game. People are going to be all over the Colts for a get-right. I already see 60%. I can't believe it's that low. But I really, really love the Bengals, especially at that number. I think Joe Burrow is going to play very well. I think Phillip Rivers is going to play very bad. And the sucker pick is those who are biting on whatever the Indianapolis Colt number is this weekend because they see the Bengals as a get-right game. I'll tell you what, Russ, that is no longer the case. I think the Bengals wow. could win this outright. Could win it outright. Wow. 
the sucker bets segment, making a Steeler fan pump up the Bengals on the road in Indianapolis. That's what we do it for, people. That's what we do. That's what we have that segment for that exact instance right there. Pats on the Colts being a sucker wager at minus seven and a half. And I am on the Packers being a sucker wager at minus one or minus one and a half. Right now, I have us at uh, at one and one apiece on sucker bets, Pat. So we'll see if we can get over the hump and get uh, get to two and one on the year. Tuesday edition, we will chop all that up, give the results, talk about all of the happenings in week six, and then we will probably touch on some MLB playoffs as well with the World Series getting rolling next week on the docket as well. So that closes out the Friday edition of riding the three by three. I want to thank everybody for listening. Catch us on Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you get your podcast for Pat Fetch. I'm Russ Heltman. Have a great weekend, everybody.